0: Access to data enables rare disease stakeholders to do more and accelerate results. The challenge for patient advocates and organizations is becoming as savvy about clinical data as clinicians and researchers. The Global Genes Data DIY Program teaches organization leaders how to be empowered data owners and stewards. Attend the Data DIY Workshops and view resources at GlobalGenes.org forward slash Data DIY. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is RareCast. Biosciences is pioneering antibody oligonucleotide conjugates, a new class of therapeutics that marry the target selectivity of monoclonal antibodies with the precision of genetic medicine. The company is focusing on treatments for rare muscle disorders, including myotonic dystrophy type 1 and Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We spoke to Art Levin, Executive Vice President of Research and Development at Avidity about the company's therapeutic approach, why it's focusing on rare muscle disorders, and the path forward for its therapies. All right, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. We're going to talk about avidity biosciences, oligonucleotides, and your company's antibody oligonucleotide conjugates. Perhaps we can start with oligonucleotides themselves. This is a a class of therapies that has emerged as a very promising approach to treating certain genetic diseases. What are oligonucleotides, and and how do they work?
1: Oligonucleotides are small bits of nucleic acid. They can either be RNA-like or DNA-like. And the way that they work is they are designed to generally bind to a complementary sequence in a messenger RNA, so that if you're familiar with the Watson and Crick base-bearing rules, you can use Watson and Crick base-bearing rules to design a that will recognize and then bind and hybridize to a small a, a section of a messenger RNA. And then the the event of that oligonucleotide binding to the messenger RNA sets off a couple of different reactions. And some of the reactions are dependent upon an enzyme complex called RISC, the RNA inducible silencing complex, and that's those, are the, those are siRNA-like compounds, small interfering RNAs. There are other oligonucleotides that work by binding to a region of a messenger RNA, and they bring in an enzyme called RNA-FH, and both risk and RNA-FH ultimately result in the destruction of that message. So if you're talking about a disease-related protein, say a protein that's overexpressed in cancer or overexpressed in, in inflammation, you can, you can inhibit the expression of that disease-related protein at the RNA level. There are other oligonucleotide therapeutics that work by changing the way that RNAs are, messenger RNAs are processed. So recently, Sorecta had an approval of a drug and Ionis had an approval of a drug. Each of them worked by changing the way the RNA was processed as, RNA, as, a, as a pre-mRNA, pre-mRNA is spliced and processed to become a mature messenger RNA. So there are a number of different ways that 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 oligonucleotide therapeutics can modulate gene function. And the brilliance of it is is that all you need to do is know the sequence of your messenger RNA target and then by knowing Watson and Crick base pairing rules, wherever there's an A, you'll put a T, wherever there's a C, you'll put a G. Those simple rules allow you to have rational design in order to produce an oligonucleotide therapeutic That can selectively bind to the target mRNA that you're interested in modulating the expression
0: of. With regards to genetic diseases, what makes this such a promising therapeutic approach?
1: So, of of course, one of the things that makes it promising is that is that if you design, if you carefully design an oligonucleotide therapeutic, you can have that oligonucleotide therapeutic bind exclusively to that one protein, that one messenger RNA for that particular disease-related protein. And many diseases, genetic diseases, are diseases where there are changes in the way an RNA is processed. So, for example, in muscular dystrophy, there are large deletion mutations which create a messenger RNA that's improperly read. If you can skip over some regions of that particular messenger RNA... You can create a, a an oligonucleotide. Sorry, you can create a messenger RNA that's properly read by the machinery, by the ribosomal machinery, and will produce a, a smaller but functional protein. And there are other genetic diseases uh, where you can increase the expression of a particular gene by changing the way that it's, that, that particular messenger RNA for that gene is spliced. And so if you're talking about a haploinsufficiency, a disease where you're missing half the copies of a particular gene, you can enhance the gene's expression by using an oligonucleotide therapeutic. So there are a number of different approaches that we can take with oligonucleotide therapeutics that are really directly applicable to genetic disorders. And there are a number of different genetic disorders. I've already mentioned muscular dystrophy. There are uh, Sorry, Duchenne muscular dystrophy is an example, myotonic dystrophy is an example, there are of course spinal muscular atrophy has an approved drug it's called Spinraza or Nusinersen from Biogen and Ionis and there are additional compounds that are in development for a number of different diseases where you can modulate the way that an RNA is processed in order to restore biological activity or to reverse a disease process. By understanding the sequences of target mRNAs, you can rationally design oligonucleotides to produce the changes, either upregulation or downregulation of a particular disease-related it's gene a, product.
0: It's a seductively elegant approach, but in practice, <laughs> it has a lot of challenges to making it work as a, a marketable therapeutic. What have been the issues that made these this class of therapy so challenging?
1: So in the early days of course it was that no one had ever synthesized grams or kilograms of an oligonucleotide before and many of those many of those issues have been solved and the issue with respect the issues with respect to the stability of oligonucleotides in circulation have all been addressed through chemistry and that left the most difficult problem to ch- to to tackle of all and that is the delivery of an oligonucleotide payload so our, our bodies essentially, our cells have essentially been evolving over, uh, over billions of years to prevent stray pieces of nucleic acid from coming in and hijacking a cell's machinery. And we, we call those stray pieces of nucleic acid viruses. So we've, our, our cells have evolved so that they don't allow stray pieces of oligonucleotides into cells because they'll change the function. So then it became a challenge of can you go against what nature has essentially evolved and produce systems where you can actually deliver those bits of nucleic acid, those oligonucleotide payloads into cells. And that's where avidity came in. Avidity is taking advantage of the fact that that certain cell surface receptors for which we have monoclonal antibodies, for which we have antibodies that will bind to them, can be internalized, and then they will effectively release their payload, their oligonucleotide payload, and then that payload can then be free to diffuse into the cell and then target that particular disease-related gene product or that particular disease-related messenger RNA.
0: One of the attractive qualities of oligonucleotides is their high specificity Do you run the risk of having off-target activity if you use an antibody to target them to the cell?
1: One of the ways that we diminish the possibility of off-target events is by doing thorough bioinformatics analyses. So if you're careful, you can select oligonucleotide sequences that will only bind to the target messenger RNA of interest. And that allows you a specificity. Now there are, you know, at very high doses, at very high concentrations, you can, you can begin to see some hybridization dependent toxicities, but that's really more the exception than the rule because in general, the industry from the start has been extraordinarily careful in doing the bioinformatics analyses upfront. And selecting sequences for the oligonucleotide therapeutics that don't have other perfect matches in the expressome.
0: How versatile is this approach? You know, what's the range of tissue types that you can deliver oligonucleotides to this way?
1: At Avidity, we've now tested uh, a few, we've probably tested a hundred or more different monoclonal antibodies to so a hundred or more different receptors. We have now demonstrated in, in in a range of 10 or so different cell surface receptors that allow us entry into cells. And we imagine that there are many more. It's simply a matter of can we find the right antibody in order to get the appropriate internalization. So we believe that, that what we have is a platform technology that's going to allow us to, with the appropriate Analyses of libraries of monoclonal antibodies target many different cell types. And of course, we've, we've used many different kinds of payloads and many payloads against different, different molecular targets. So on the molecular target side, we, it's, it's, it's essentially the whole transcriptome is our, is our, is our target region. And then for cell surface receptors, my guess is that there are probably a couple of dozen or more cell surface receptors that are what I would like to call professional transporters and are internalized with an appropriate rate, and there are enough of them on a the cell surface in order to allow enough mass transfer into a cell. And it's, it's that mass transfer into the cell that's ultimately going to give you the, the potency. The nice thing about many oligonucleotide therapeutics is that they're extraordinarily potent, so they're oligonucleotide therapeutics that are. That have activity in the picomolar range, so you need very few molecules within a cell in order to get activity, and that of course works works well in our favor. The other thing that works really well in our favor is the fact that once, particularly with siRNAs, once an siRNA is delivered into the cytoplasm, it tends to have a very long pharmacodynamic half-life. So even though these drugs need to be administered parenterally, usually by either subcutaneous injections or or intravenous infusions, a single dose can have pharmacologic activity out for months after administration. So it's a it's a very effective, high efficiency process that has long biological or long pharmacologic half
0: As you mentioned, one of the first areas you're looking at is muscle disease, both myotonic dystrophy and, and Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Is there something particular about Muscle cells that makes this an attractive target.
1: It really is. Is our, our interest in muscle came about because one of the best antibodies that we found for delivering oligonucleotides happens to work very well in in skeletal muscle. So we are being both smart and opportunistic by saying we found an antibody that works well for us. Muscle has been an area of uh, muscular dystrophy, particularly Duchenne, has been an area of, of my interest for well over a decade, and it seems like a, na- a natural fit. That fortuitously, although the company wasn't founded to look at muscle originally, we found by ex- through through, through experiments that muscle was a great target for us, and then it became a natural to look at neuromuscular diseases for us. So we're really we're really taking advantage of a gift that, that nature has provided for us in muscle.
0: Myotonic dystrophy is what's known as a repeat expansion disorder. Is there something about repeat expansion disorders that are particularly good candidates for oligonucleotides?
1: In this particular case, you don't produce a toxic protein. In this case, for myotonic dystrophy, it's actually the RNA itself is toxic. So CUG repeats actually self hybridize and form a gigantic structure in the nu- in the nucleus a gigantic a gigantic hairpin loop structure that itself tends to attract a number of different proteins to it and and, and it's proteins that are designed to bind to cugs so it's this it's the sequestration of a particular protein in the nucleus that's binding to the collected cug repeats in those those structures in the, in the nucleus that are that are related to the repeat expansion that actually produces the disease. So this one's slightly different. Of course, in Huntington's, which is another disease that is being tackled by the oligonucleotide approaches, and and there are a number of companies that currently have therapeutic agents in clinical trials for Huntington's. That's a disease where you get the uh, the accumulation of a toxic protein, and in Huntington's, uh, Biogen, Ionis, Wave, and others are looking at. Uh, inhibiting the expression of the toxic protein by inhibiting the expression of the RNA that encodes that toxic protein.
0: In terms of repeat expansion disorders, is there something that makes this approach particularly attractive to dealing with that whole range of diseases?
1: I think it's 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 how clearly well defined the mRNA targets are that really that make it that make them attractive. We know, we, we know that those are at the root cause of the disease. And if you can eliminate that gain of function or that change of function messenger RNA, which is something that is exactly what oligonucleotide therapeutics are designed to do, if you can eliminate that, either the toxic protein or the toxic messenger RNA, then you've gotten to the root cause of the disease. And that's similar to the, the, the splicing diseases like musc, spinal muscular atrophy or, or Duchenne.
0: In the case of Duchenne, we've seen uh, RNA therapies that, that are based on exon skipping, but they only act on very specific mutations. Are you developing a therapy that would address all Duchenne, or would it be aimed at specific different mutations?
1: At the present time, we're developing a uh, therapeutics that will that will address specific mutations. The, the, the golden ticket, as it were, is of course the, the analogonucleotide an therapeutic that could address all of them. That is an area of, of intensive research within our, within our laboratories. Uh, but, uh, it, 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 it's early to comment any more than, than it's an active area of research in our and other lab, in ours and other laboratories. We have the advantage that uh, compared to people that have tried these approaches in the past, where we can where we can get high concentrations of our payload into muscle, and that that gives us an advantage for those kinds of approaches. But for now, we're looking at specific we're looking at we're looking at specific groups of mutations that that can be addressed by a particular skip.
0: Where are you in terms of clinical development at this point?
1: We're not really giving guidance with respect to our clinical development. What I can tell you is that we are in the final stages of optimizing various payloads for some of the diseases that we talked about today, and we are scaling up our monoclonal antibodies. We have monoclonal antibodies that work, uh, that we've, we've demonstrated AOC, or antibody oligoconjugate activity, in multiple species now, and we're now scaling up our monoclonal antibody for use in human clinical trials, so as you can tell we're getting we're getting the pieces all synthesized for us and we're getting ready to put them together and move and move forward
0: and as you think about future indications and applications is there any point where you might use an antibody not only for targeting but for therapeutic effect as well to amplify what you're doing
1: absolutely that is a, that is a possibility one of the things I would love to see is poly is, is the use of polypharmacy in, in a number of different diseases. That of course opens you up to the ability to, to tackle um, things uh, immune immune diseases. Oncology of course needs multiple therapeutic agents. So yes, we, we are looking forward to finding antibodies that both have the ability to recognize the internalized and produce pharmacologic activity. That is that would that would be great. It's something that we think about at present time, however, where our, our major focus is in the area of muscle diseases where we don't need that kind of activity, and in immunology where we're, we're finding that by just by having selective delivery to specific cell types, we get great pharmacologic activity.
0: Art Levin, Executive Vice President of Research and Development at Avidity Biosciences. Art, thanks so much for your time today.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you.